0: It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live! (laughs) Woohoo! How are you guys? Good to see everybody in the chat room. Welcome again to 2023. Today, we are going to talk about making mistakes that will make a music library regret that they signed you it's real. It's a thing. It can happen. If you think having great music gets you a pass from getting the business aspects of Sync 100% right, you, my friend, are 100% wrong. And while you're chewing on that, if you would be so kind as to hit that subscribe button, give us a like if you haven't already, because I know that 16 of you have, And you know what? Hit that little alert bell so that next time we go live, you get a ding and you know that we're coming your way. Anyway, hello everybody in the chat room. Good to see all you guys. Um, I've got about 18 pages of notes today. Uh, It's gonna be hard to get through it all, so I am gonna go lickety-split through this very serious subject. It's something I wish I could get every single taxi member, every musician for that matter, to pay attention to. Um, People are making some grave mistakes and I want to help people stop it. So here we go. Uh, All this is based on the premises of making it easy and pleasurable for companies that want to sign you to do business with you. Okay. So uh, Taxi has become more and more valuable to the film and TV music uh, licensing industry over the last many years, but particularly the last three, four, five years. Um, Our client base has expanded exponentially uh, and we're getting more and more feedback about our members' music. All of it is positive, amazingly positive. Um, We're also getting comments about their level of professionalism. Not always so positive um let's see uh the feedback about our members oh i've said that already okay so here are some recent examples um you guys uh i i don't want to squelch the chat room but you guys should probably pay attention to this stuff you may want to catch up on what you're eating or drinking in a little bit anyway um Okay, so these are actual emails, unedited, other than I will leave out the people's uh, names and company names, okay? Um, This one came in, I don't know, some months ago, Uh, Michael. This is from Tom, who is our head of A&R at Taxi, him emailing me with him prefacing what the client said. Michael, as you know, XYZ Company uh, was a very consistent client for us from 2019 through 2021. Our contact there always seemed pleased with our output and I don't recall him expressing any complaints or concerns at all with our service. Unfortunately, he has not reached out to us at all in 2022 and he was no longer responding to my monthly outreach to him. I wrote him yesterday and he finally responded, but with the following. Hey, Tom, all's well, thanks, and you. If I'm honest, uh, we've just had too many issues with the writers from Taxi saying that they can give us the rights we need, can give us the rights we need. We work with them, and then after loads of time spent working on the tracks, it turns out that they've already released it elsewhere. That kind of issue, cheers from the guy at the company. Um, We also get emails like this one. Hi guys, hope you're all doing really well. Just wanted to give you a heads up that we're more and more running into songs that the artists and writers have signed, publishing admin deals with, with their distributors or song trust. Distributors mean like CD Baby, um, TuneCore, etc. all fine companies, not slamming these companies in any way, shape or form, just asking people to make sure that they understand what it is that they've signed. Uh, from the last several song listings, my production coordinator reported some 60% of them had already been signed. Wondering if it might be worth mentioning that in the listings, they really put themselves, meaning you guys, put themselves in a pickle. They often try to argue that it's that it's fine and that other companies don't have an issue with it. Not sure who these companies are. Uh, just thought I'd let you know have a great week, you guys. Talk soon. Signed from the music library owner. Um, and then this one, I think I read this last week and I included it in the email that you got uh, yesterday and today. This one came in on January 5th, so just 11 days ago. Um, happy New Year to you too, Tom. This was the head of the company reaching out to Tom, our head of AR, who had reached out to him. Uh, I'll let you know about running new listings with Taxi. I took a lot of Taxi people for the XYZ tracks. He ran a listing not that long ago for a certain kind of piano track, I believe. Uh, The problem with taking new people on is the ones who aren't regular library composers deliver frequently incorrectly. For example, the wrong levels, versions not correct, or technical errors. If it's one person, it's not the end of the world, but I spent a huge amount of time holding the hands of most of the composers to get things to the point of delivery. The creative quality of the music he received from Taxi was unquestionable. Yay Yay you, you know, the creative quality was unquestionable. So consider that. The music, unquestionably great, but it's frustrating having to send things back to the creator so many times when things are set out so clearly in my delivery guidelines. I guess this is the difference between those who do this as a living full time and those who do it in their spare time. Not your fault, but I was but it was kind of my fault that I took so many people on. I took tracks from 17 people that you forwarded to me. Actually, you said from people you put forward. Very British sounding. Uh, took 17 tracks from the people you forwarded to me. That was a huge amount of micromanaging. I think I probably need to be more careful about taking too many people on at the same time, especially those who are new to the business or less experienced. So even if your music is great, Here's a company that's going to back off from signing as many people, maybe signing anybody from Taxi in the future, Um, especially those who are new to the business or less experienced, even if the final product is brilliant. Could it be any more clear? The album, he's talking about a particular album in a particular genre they're putting out, the album is still waiting on people to deliver their corrections. Absolutely not your fault here, but I just wanted to let you know of the issues of taking new blood Are uh, from my perspective. It's hugely time-consuming, basically. I'll be in touch when there's a project I can involve you on. So reading between the lines, nice guy that he is, he's saying, you know, unless I'm desperate to find something um, that I can't find anywhere else, I probably won't be reaching out to Taxi. So, wow. Um, I don't know, uh, would you go to, Arena, would you go to work for this guy knowing that he will abuse you like he did in that email? Is it worth it? Um, I, I I don't know which one you're referring to, and I don't think it was abusive. The guy was just stating facts. Anyway, so I personally wrote to apologize for the time suck our members caused this gentleman. I also asked if, he, if I could reprint this email, and he said, sure. Um, and he included this uh, in, in his response back to me. I just had a composer finally address all the technical issues, only to deliver as 44-1 and not 48. Uh, so they need to be resent over again. The problem is no matter what anyone says, any new deliverable needs to be quality controlled by us, them, um, even if someone claims some, that nothing has changed. It all adds up in terms of time spent. It's a major reason why I won't work with new people now. Check, check, and check again. Make a checklist. I don't care how you do it, but make sure it's all correct. Um Anyway, uh, I, I'm not sure which email you're um, referring to, Arena, but save it for the end of the show, because I've got 18 pages i got to get through, and I will try very hard to talk about that. Um... <laughs> anyway, okay. So, uh, yes, uh, we get members that email us about... Um, the language in our listings that says something like important note this company offers an exclusive deal and has a strong preference for signing material from songwriters who have worked for libraries and licensing companies in the past and understand how standard deals work. If you don't have that experience and you don't know the drill on typical deals they politely ask that you don't submit to this request. We have also included language like this all of which by the way was approved by the companies that we work with. When they ask us to include something like this. Uh, important note this library offers an exclusive deal and has a strong preference for signing material from songwriters who've worked for libraries and licensing companies in the past and understand how standard deals work. Um, that both of those I believe are referring to people that get a deal offer and go oh my gosh you, you, you want the publisher share and they remember you know that 20 years ago People would say, never give your publishing to anybody, but that was in the record business, not in the music library business. It's always been this way. Literally has always been this way for the 30-some years that I've been familiar with production music libraries. They take the publisher share, you get the writer's share. It's a 50-50 split. We also have included this language in our listings. This company has specifically asked that you only send unreleased songs that aren't already commercially available. Fair enough. If you've already released them on Spotify, Apple Music, etc., or they're already published or administered by CD Baby, Pro, TuneCore, etc., please don't submit them. Um, taxi member Paul Croto. I don't know if he's in the house today. Um, let's see. Uh, Pauly, this was after an episode I did a couple of months ago, a few months ago, where I brought this issue up. Paulie had what I thought was the best suggestion uh, as regards um, reminding you not to submit material that's already admin or published by somebody else, which seems like a no-brainer, but apparently it's more difficult than I thought. Um, Hi, Michael. Always good to see your smiling face on TV. Fantastic show today. The library owner you had on is such good people. His library is great. I've got almost 100 tracks with them now. Um, I had an idea to help minimize the 60% problem that's plaguing you. It's a serious issue for sure. What if you added a pop-up window on the website during the music upload process? Um, you have to upload music before you can submit to listings, so perhaps an actual pop-up dialogue box clearly stating that Taxi will not accept music that's already published, or whatever wording you need to use. It could be just a dialog box, could be an actual checkbox that users have to agree to before uploading and that again was from Paul Croteau. Um, I think that that is the foundation of a really good idea and I appreciate that suggestion, Paulie. Um, It's not that Taxi won't accept it, it's the companies that run the listings of Taxi that won't accept it. Um, Anyway, so that being said, I've already talked to one of our web guys about it, and we will likely either we'll build it on the upload side, so everything you upload, um, we'll, you'll have to check that off. Or maybe on the submission, every time you make a submission, you know, are you sure this isn't already uh, administrated or um, published by blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I really like that idea, and we'll figure it out. Thank you again, Paulie okay here is these are guidelines from one of our production music library um clients uh and there's a lot of stuff to go through so i'm not going to explain all this today um we're going to do several shows explaining all of these things i'll probably have some library owners on i may have some staff members on so don't worry if you don't understand this stuff today I'm just giving an overview. Uh, okay, these are this is an exact quote. Copying some info from our submission guidelines below. Some of this is specific to our company, but nonetheless, it should be useful to taxi members on a wider level. Accepted audio formats. And you'll see that some of these things vary from company to company. It's, you know, their right to have a personal preference. Um, accepted audio formats. 16 slash 24-bit, 44.1 or 48 kilohertz wave or AIF. Um, Some companies only want 24-bit 48K. Um, Music length, always refer to the brief, but generally, reality, advertising, and sports, a minimum length of a minute 30 is ideal. For documentary, tension, drama, minimum length of two minutes is needed. Alt version. So you're going to get this stuff when we forward your music to a company like this. They're going to provide you with these notes so that you can whip your submissions to them into the shape that they want it um, so that they can easily ingest it. You know, sometimes people complain to taxis, say, I got, I signed a contract. My music was sent to this company six weeks ago. I haven't heard boo from them. They, it may have been in disarray and they just went, Ugh, God, what do I do with this? Or they you know dragged it to the disarray file and they'll get to it eventually, but they're likely to ingest the stuff that was done correctly because it's easier and faster and they can get it out in the marketplace sooner. Um, alt versions, vocal songs we require, uh, for vocal songs we require the instrumental alt mix. So in other words, you got a vocal song, mix minus vocal. For vocals with explicit lyrics, uh, we have a clean vocal alt- alternate option. For instrumental cues, most TV, reality, lifestyle, sports, etc., can use, a, they can use a sting, which is a 10 to 15 second impactful ending of the musical idea, Ba-dum, that's a sting. Um, Not a very good one, but it was a sting, okay? Bass and drums. uh, Just bass and drums, sometimes perfect under dialogue. You know, honestly, I hear that all the time from taxi members and libraries alike that they're shocked when just the bass and drums got used. It's because nothing gets in the way of the dialogue. A bed, just the rhythm section, no lead instruments. Um, A bed with no drums. So just the rhythm section, no leads and no drums. A reduced mix, simpler arrangement, fewer instruments or less percussion. A 30 second version, only for music that could be used in an advertisement or a TV promo. A no percussion version, a cue without the percussion may have a completely different and usable feel. Um, Percussion only, a cue with all instruments muted except for the percussion. Good for very percussion heavy cues. Um, alt lengths, full length alt versions much must match, that's a mouthful, must match the specific length of the main cue. In other words, um, don't send them an alt version, like a mix minus vocal, that is 2 minutes and 10 seconds, um, yet the full version is 2 minutes and 12 seconds, because there is a retail, a retail, a, a, a reverb tail... <laughs> Not retail a reverb tail that rings out a little longer. Make sure that they're all exactly the same. Um, length of the main cue or song. Okay, so make sure that matches the specific length of the main cue or song, even if certain layers are missing and it means exporting some silence. So there you go. So if the vocal version had a reverb tail on, I love you and there's reverb tail on the u um and it came out to you know two minutes and 12 seconds don't send them a mix minus vocal that's two minutes and 10 seconds because there's no reverb tail on the word you because there's no vocal in there make it the same length um beginnings no excess silence before the start of the song i hear that all the time when we're checking out music for taxi tv um or when we're putting the other compilations that we send out to the industry it's quite amazing how many people will leave five or 10 seconds of dead air before the downbeat. New. No. Um, no abrupt transient pops, clicks, or glitches at the beginning of the song, um, or a cue, um, and clean natural fade-outs. I think that that, I may actually call the library owner about that one. I think he means ring-outs. Uh, nobody does fades in, in TV music uh, anymore. So I think he means, you know, just letting something die naturally, not like dumping the master fader when you're doing your bounce or you're doing a mix um, to get it out sooner because you think that the reverb is a little long or something, it it will sound unnatural. All right, so that's from one of our clients. Um, This one is from yet another client and both of these guys get tons of placements for taxi members, they love getting music from us. Delivery specs for 2022, 24-bit, 48K um, wave. Tracks need to be two minutes or longer. Um, here's an example of delivery. It has to follow this naming scheme exactly. A full mix and one alt mix. Um, the song title he's using, I think it was a bad choice of song title here. It's called Everything and Nothing. Um That could almost be an instruction, so it's a bad title for this example, but full mix and one alt mix. So that's what they need. Um, Everything and nothing, underscore, full mix, followed by your name. Everything and nothing, underscore, alt mix, no lead. Stems, all stems should be the same length, would played back all together, should not clip the master fader. Um, Looking for group stems, not one stem for every track. Uh, the proper name for that, actually, in my world anyway, when we used two-inch tape and had 24 tracks, you know, just the snare drum, that's a snare track. The guitar, was just the guitar track. Um, he goes on to say, and this kind of backs up what I was saying, um, depending on the track, stems will be around four to seven stems roughly. So that means all of the stems together will be four to seven roughly. So here it is, song title, um, underscore guitars, stem, song title underscore keyboards stem, song title underscore bass stem, so here the word stem is replacing the word track. It's just a single instrument, but I think that's become pretty commonplace whether it's right or wrong. Uh, Here's another example, song title underscore drum stem, so the full drum kit. Um, Here's another example, Uh, song title underscore shaker stem, in my world, that would have been shaker track. Um, but I understand. It would be confusing to say stem here, track there. Uh, here's another one, uh, song title underscore effects stem. So that would be any delays or reverbs, things like that. Um, Cutdowns. Make sure that you completely that you're completely out by the end time. Uh, So, for example, if you're working a 15-second cut-down, make sure you are out at the end of 15 seconds and there's no audio beyond that time. Really important, especially as was mentioned in the previous example, uh, for TV commercials. Um, TV shows and commercials are all controlled by a master computer that slots them in a certain order and turns them on, cuts them off. So if you've got a piece of music that's on a commercial and your music with the reverb tail or a piano ring out or something like that is 31 seconds, you're thinking, eh, no big deal. The song is over at 30. The ring out, it's 31, 32. Who's really going to care? Well, you'll care more than anybody because you're going to hear your music and be so proud that it's in that really nice commercial and then that Ring out is going to be cut off and just sound unnatural because they're going to go boom right into like the theme music for the next show or the next commercial. Um, do not send, do not need, you do not need to send stems or alt mixes for the cut downs, uh, but you should label them like song title underscore 60 seconds, which is 60 sec in this guy's language song title underscore 30 sec, song title underscore 15 sec. Tracks in different styles, group them. So for tracks in different styles, I'm gonna call this person up and tell him he needs to work on his syntax. (laughs) Tracks in different styles, group them together. For example, a folder of all texture and drones and another folder of hybrid orchestral. Uh, along with tracks send the signed exclusive composer agreement. So presumably you've submitted through Taxi, you've been forwarded to the company, they've emailed you and said, we'd really like to sign this stuff, we're going to send you your agreement. Um, So now they're asking you to send your signed agreement with the tracks. Please make sure you're giving me uh, your IPI number, not your PRO membership number. This is a common mistake. Please make sure you write your name on the spreadsheet exactly how it's registered with your PRO. Doesn't see, you know, it's like, I'm Michael D. Lasko. What if I put Michael Lasko? Well, there could be two Michael Lasco's. There could be two John Smiths, Bob Jones, whatever. Um, you want to stay consistent and identifiable to make sure the money is going into your bank account and not somebody else's. Um, If you used a middle name, uh, include it. If you did not register with the middle name, do not use a middle name. Uh, If you have already sent an agreement, update new track names to the exhibit A spreadsheet. So in other words, if you signed with the library two months ago or two years ago, um, go to the exhibit A spreadsheet and add the new stuff there and then sign in date where the new track names have been added. This all makes sense. For the spreadsheet, do not use PDF, uh, use Numbers, the program Numbers, uh, which is an Apple program, or Excel to save it. I personally rarely use PDFs, and I'm not a fan of PDFs, because sometimes you can do a copy and paste from one, other times you can't. Sometimes you can edit them, sometimes you can't. Um, use Pages that comes with your Mac, use Word if, you know, just I just don't like PDFs. What can I say? They present a problem more often than not in the way I work. All right. Um, some additional thoughts from that same production music library owner. Um, uh, he attached these when he sent his, those previous notes that I read. Hi, Tom. Uh, attached are my delivery specs. A lot of people don't understand group stems. It's not a separate track for the kick and a separate track for the snare, but all the drums in one stem, all the guitars in one stem, all the effects in one stem, etc. Okay, fair enough. Also, when playing back all the stems, it should sound exactly the same as the full mix and not clip the master. Um, In other words, sometimes people, you know, will take a stem of something that's really low in level because it was low in level comparatively in the context of the mix. So they're bouncing that stem and going, oh my goodness, it's barely showing up on the meters. I'm not seeing any yellow. You know, nothing's tipping into the red. It's barely making the green move. So I'm going to bring that up a little bit. Um, don't do that. Keep it all the same level as it was in the mix. Um, for cutdowns, it has to be exactly the right length. We already discussed that. A lot of composers just chop up the track to make it fit the time. But the cutdowns have to make musical sense as well and not sound cut or chopped and should sound natural. Uh, the other area I have to tell composers all the time is to not have a big long intro section with not much happening. Heard some stuff today. We were having a little group listening meeting in my office um, for a taxi compilation that's going out. And there was one piece, such, a, such great composition, great production, great playing, great everything on it, but it had 17 seconds, I believe, um, uh, of intro, and it just felt too long and unnecessary, and frankly, somebody said it really well, either during the road rally or during an episode of Taxi TV, which is, tell me what I'm going to hear in the first few seconds. Wet my whistle make me hungry to hear more so if you throw in uh, you know a 17 second intro that is yeah it's in the right key um, and it's got something to do with what you're going to hear later but it doesn't tell you this is what's going to happen you're probably not serving your best interest Um, yeah don't have big long intro i try to explain um to my clients, my composers, that music supervisors and editors are flipping through tracks and your track has to grab their attention. A lot of composers have a really cool section that will happen around one minute in, but the average listener will never hear it because they may not listen long enough to get to that good section. I'm gonna repeat that one. A lot of composers have a really cool section that will happen around one minute in, but the average listener will never hear it because they may not listen long enough to get to the good section. I completely concur with that statement. Let me know if you need any more help with this. Uh, could get on a call with you uh, as well if that helps. Thanks in the library owner's name. And then he went on to say, <laughs> I wanna also add that it's good if all the tracks tell a story in their arrangement. And now we're getting you know back into the musical aspect and not so much the technical stuff um, or the doing businessy stuff, but you should hear this stuff. Uh, all tracks, should, it's good if tracks tell a story in their arrangement. Music supervisors and editors like tracks that have some ups and down sections. Boy, don't you guys know it, right? Um, and builds and cool stops and musical breaks and fills. Um, what do we call that? A developmental arc. We've talked about it for years. That gives them something to work with to tell a story to picture. If the track just starts, and there's not much in the way of movement in the arrangement, then it's hard to in hard to inherence the picture. There's a word I've never heard before, inherence. I think imagine it in the context of the picture or hear it in the context of the picture. Anyway, um, inherence, I-N-H-E-R-E-N-C-E, the picture. Hmm, I will be Googling that later. I'm sure somebody in the chat will Google it. Wait, yeah. Uh, Yep, Marion, you've got it Check it out, let me know Uh, Best if tracks have a strong build and a strong hit at the end Well, I can't imagine We send this person a lot of music And he signed a lot of music from our members I can't imagine he's getting any music from taxi members That doesn't have a developmental arc And a strong build with a nice hit at the end Um, Nope, not inference Inherence. I-N-H-E-R-E-N-C-E. Inherence. Um, I find it's pretty common that composers have tracks that may sound great, but not much in the way of movement and storytelling in their arrangement. Thanks. Hope this helps. So it's kind of cool that our clients actually, you know, they care. They want to help us help you to get it right. Um, all right. Delivery guidelines, this is from yet another library and here we go. And like I said, all these guys aren't gonna line up on what they're asking for. They have their personal preferences and I'm guessing that those preferences may be a result of many of these folks have been a composer at some point in their career. Maybe they still do compose for their own library. Um, And they got comfortable with a particular library that they liked working with who, had reasonably stringent but not impossibly hard um, technical things to meet and they went all right so when I'm starting my own company I'm going to incorporate most of what I learned from them because I was comfortable delivering that way to them so I want my composers to be comfortable delivering to me. So here we go. Um, Because we've experienced so much growth over the past couple of years and are bringing on more and more awesome new composers, I want to let you know this library owner told me that like 80% or more of the composers that they are signing into their catalog are from Taxi now. Um, We need to come up with a set of uniform guidelines and instructions for submitting tracks, file delivery, uh, metadata, et cetera with having to answer the same questions again and again and again, it was just taking too much time away from other things. So with that in mind, here's a list of guidelines for our company. And it's somewhat of a course on production music 101 with a few tips and tricks that you'll need to know for any library or company that you work with. So there you go. Um, Number one, file delivery. This is one of the areas that we get asked the most questions about, so here it is final mixes should be 48k 24-bit waves there you go not any uncertainty in that uh, we transfer is the best delivery method to use but please label your folder the default folder name will be something like we transfer three uh, a 47 c nine if you just let it default you don't want that as your folder title trust me instead change the folder title to your name Plus, what files are in there? For example, Michael Lasko underscore Michael Lasko hyphen urban funk tracks. At the very least, they know who it's from and what the heck it is. Um, all right, I can't tell you how many of those randomly named WeTransfer folders are scattered throughout all of my computers, and it's impossible to know what is what. Hightail should work fine as well, but just let me know that you sent the files via Hytale. As sometimes my server rejects Hightail emails. Good to know. Um, only use Dropbox. Oh, I agree with this one. Only use Dropbox. If I can click on the link and get right to the files. If I have to sign into my Dropbox account and then import them into it, that will not work as my box is full. Same here. I. I I had a Dropbox account a zillion years ago. It very quickly got filled up with references that we use in the taxi listings. And I'm just too cheap to pay for the size Dropbox that I actually need. I have other ways to accomplish the stuff, so I've never upgraded it. Therefore, when you send me something and I need to download it to Dropbox, I cannot. Do not capitalize your titles. This is how I keep the files separate. Um, the final titles from our company are capitalized, but the files you you send should not be capitalized. So in other words, when they send out a playlist or a drive or a folder or whatever to their clients, presumably um, music editors and music soups, they will capitalize the titles. And it sounds like they put a prefix, as many of the companies do now, especially the companies that... um, uh, deal with non exclusive music, but even many of the companies that deal with exclusives now will. So, like if there was a Lasco Music Library, it might be LML, Lasco Music Library. Pretty original, huh? Uh, Lasco Music Library <clears throat> underscore um, Hunky Dory for a song title underscore Michael Lasco for composer. Also, please check your mixes. Yes. Please check your mixes. I've actually received blank WAV files before. We receive blank files every day of the week here at Taxi. We used to receive blank cassettes. For whatever reason, people don't check to make sure. Is it on there? Check the beginning. Listen to make sure there's not dead air in front of it. Make sure there aren't any clicks or pops. Make sure it's a good, clean start. It doesn't cut off you know, half a drum beat or half of the first note. Check in the middle, make sure you listen for a distortion, that your levels look good. Check at the end and listen on headphones at a fairly loud level so that you can hear that piano ring out or a reverb tail on a vocal, whatever. Make sure you are out, 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 and boom, done. Yeah, do it just like that, and boom, okay? Just like that, every time. <laughs> All right. Uh, Make sure the reverb tail at the end or any part of the ending is not cut off. This can be achieved by checking the ending with headphones. Boy, this sounds familiar. Also, check the alt mixes to be certain that some errant instrument that wasn't supposed to be in there was accidentally not muted. Great advice. Number two, alt versions. We do require alternate mixes such as bed mixes, which is a mix without any leads or melodic elements, a no vocal mix, a Mix with all vocal parts taken out, not just the lead, drums and bass only mixes, no drum mixes, etc. Every song will be different and need different alt mixes, and we will let you know which ones are needed. That's nice, but most likely a bed mix will always be required. However, it's something like a solo. Sorry, <sighs> I don't know if I've ever yawned on a show before. Um, every song will be different. Uh, I got that. Um, Bed mix always required. However, it's something like a piano a solo piano track. Then no halt versions would be possible because there's only one element. Duh. <laughs> but I guess it needs to be said sometimes. I can see somebody. I want to do an alt an alt mix of my solo cocktail piano. Um, and this is very important to the point where he actually bolded and capitalized the word very. Alt versions must all be the same length as the full version and must start and end at the same places. So the other library said that as well. If the full version is a minute 42 seconds, then all corresponding alts must be 142, not 141, not 144, not 143, etc. Very simple. You just highlight the song in your DAW from start to finish for each track and however your particular or however your particular DAW works do not adjust the levels for any of the alt versions. Talked about that a minute ago. Um, a bed mix might have less level than the fir- full version because some parts will be missing. That's how it should be though. Each version of the track must line up perfectly with all the others so that if an editor needs to switch between one and the other, it will be seamless. And this might even mean there will be a, a blank spaces in an alt version or even a blank space at the beginning. That's totally fine and necessary. Number three, metadata. We now have a standardized metadata sheet for the track titles, BPMs, descriptions, keywords, etc. One thing to remember, descriptions and keywords are two separate things. Let's pay attention to this. I, I had to think about this for a minute myself. Um, one thing to remember, descriptions and keywords are two separate things. Those, uh, let's see, dark, tense, eerie, unnerving, those are not a description. Those are keywords. Also, please try to put some thought into your descriptions. For example, a dark tension track is rather is a rather lame description for a track. But brooding synths, pulsing bass, and an incessant kalimba pattern swirl together into a dark synthetic underscore that evolves towards a lethal climax is a much more descriptive and is much more descriptive and vivid. So you gotta be a bit of a poet. Um, I don't expect you to be (laughs) I know this person really well. This is even funnier to me because I know him so well. You don't have to be Ernest Hemingway, but at least put some effort into it. (laughs) Track submissions, number four on his hit list. Um, You are more than welcome to submit tracks anytime you like. That's to people that have already signed to the library with the exception of major holidays. Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's Day. Uh, Those are probably not the best days to conduct business. Uh, I prefer a link where I can stream tracks like SoundCloud, Bandcamp, and RealCrafter. So basically what he's saying is when you're submitting stuff that is getting ingested into the library, not for him to audition, do you like this? But for stuff that you just signed a deal with him on a forward via taxi, and now you're getting ready for him to upload that, you're going to upload the stuff so he can ingest it into the library. That stuff, he wants WAV files, 24 uh, bit 48K WAV files. Or do you, s- I think he said WAVs, not AIFs. Anyway, um, so send that stuff via WeTransfer. Um, but if you're sending stuff for him to check out, um, he prefers to get links to someplace where he can stream it, like SoundCloud, SoundCloud Bandcamp real crafter, et cetera. It's much easier, quicker, and my hard drive doesn't have to get cluttered up with yet more files. But if you don't have a streaming method, then MP3s are fine. Wow. He's too forgiving, in my humble opinion. Uh, and just attach the MP3s to an email. Nobody in the industry likes that, but this gentleman. Uh, no more than three per email. Please don't send them by WeTransfer or similar. Interesting. Uh, it's just another step that takes yet more time. Also, please don't send waves or AIFs AIFFs for audition. They're huge. Um, so yeah, just send an MP three. I don't think anybody, if you you send like a mid to high quality MP three, people know what they're listening to. I don't think somebody's gonna say to you, I hear a tiny little artifact, you know, on on the crash symbol. Um they're not going to end up putting that mp3 in their catalog. They're not worried about it. And chances are they won't hear it anyway. So there you go. Um, if you're sending an mp3, please please include your name in the metadata field. I found so many mp3s in my downloads folder that had no name included. So I have no idea who they belong to or where they came from. Eesh. Sample libraries. Sample libraries offer a wonderful palette for creating tracks coming up with endless ideas and creativity, but simply dragging and dropping samples and loops is not creativity. Uh, you also can't take the example tracks and use those as is and call the end product your own. Believe me, it's happened before. Uh, also, if you want to use a melodic sample of some sort, please change the pitch, change the tempo, change the sound, chop it up. Uh, wherever you can so it's very different from the original sample because if you're doing any kind of popular genre like EDM, hip hop, urban pop, etc., I will always shazam the track and if any part of your track comes up in a song that's already released, um, your track will be rejected. You know what? I went back today and was listening to the stuff that we sent out on our not-that-long-ago Christmas compilation that went to a majority of music libraries in the industry a great number of them okay amazing it was our best compilation i think ever i'm really really proud of that one and i shazammed every one of them and there were four things on there that i could find online and they weren't up there by the company everything got signed uh, but yet the stuff is still shazamable and findable online um, Oh, I forgot to mention a very important thing. Uh, In three of the four cases, it, it gave me a Shazam back, but it wasn't the actual song that was on our playlist. And it was because there were some notes in the clear on the intro that were clearly taken from a loop, and somebody else used the same notes from the same loop in their song that went on a record or wherever, and so when I shazam this thing from the very beginning, what I got back was not the song that it was supposed to be. Only when I went deeper into the song and shazammed it again, did I find the actual song. Okay. Uh, even more importantly, never under any circumstances use uncleared samples. This is a recipe for utter disaster and doom. <laughs> Oh man, please do not try to be clever and make a track's BPM include a decimal point. I can't believe he even had to say that, but some people will put in 98.5, 107.5, 87.43 as their BPMs. The metadata fields will not accept a decimal point, just have whole numbers. So in other words, you can send it in like that. But when he goes to import it and tries to fill out metadata, he's got to then take an extra, it's, you know, you're thinking, well, how much time is that? But if you're doing 100 songs a day and, you know, 50 of them have, you know, 95.5 is their um, BPM and you got to change it to either 95 or 96. It's a couple of seconds, a few seconds for each one. It adds up. Keep in mind, these are exclusive tracks, meaning you cannot place them into any other library or catalog of any kind. Please do not register any of your tracks signed with us, as that is always done by the library. I think he's talking about registering uh, with the Copyright Office. He didn't say PRO or Copyright Office. Um, Not sure. I I underline that, and I will let him know. It can take upwards of six months or more sometimes. If you already have done so prior to signing them with us, please let me know so we can fix it. So in other words, if you've already registered the tracks, I'm pretty sure he's talking about the copyright office because the, the length of time, they're kind of famous for being slow. Um, and yes, it's not uncommon that when something is already registered, they may have to retitle it or they're gonna take ownership of the composition and the master. So they would need to amend that registration. Um, just do it. All right. Um, well, I'm actually making really good time today. I thought this was gonna you know, go like right up to the last minute. Um, okay, and here's a set of uh, guidelines from yet another library. Um, we received, this is an email that goes out to people that they're making deal offers to. We received your music from Taxi and we love what we heard. We'd like to sign is, you know, a bunch of song titles that they just put Xs in. They'll fill them in when they send the actual thing. We'd like to sign these titles to our catalog. We're a newer library founded in 2020 to meet the demands of an expanding list of clients that they had. Um, You can read more about us here. If you're interested, please read, print, sign, scan, and return the attached contract as a PDF. So he likes PDFs. We cannot submit your music to our shows without an executed copy of this document. We actually have had members that will say to us, I submitted my music, I got forward to this library, Um, they put it in their catalog a year and a half ago. No, they actually reached out and said, we'd like to put it in our catalog and you didn't send the contract back. Either you forgot or you chose not to, whatever the case. So if you didn't sign the contract, they haven't put it in their catalog because they have no legal right to get that stuff in a TV show or film. Somebody's car alarm is going off, yay. Um, Please print the compositions. We're signing directly onto the Schedule A with the respective writers. In other words, if you and Bobby Jones and Timmy Smith are the writers, put those guys on there. Please provide us with your Venmo or PayPal address. This is how we distribute 50% of any upfront licensing money that's earned. So they obviously know that your PRO is going to send you the performance royalties you know, each quarter. Um, but if they get a $2,500 sync fee, they've got to have somewhere to send the cash to you. So they want to do it through Venmo or PayPal. Uh, if you're submitting a song with lyrics, please attach a separate PDF with the lyrics. Good advice. Um, Next, via WeTransfer, please, boy, people like WeTransfer, please deliver your files, uh, 24-bit, 48K AIFF format with the following metadata embedded directly into the file. We use https colon slash slash kid3.kde.org. So, but there are several programs that can work, including iTunes. But once again, um, I'll just tell you what this is. If you don't have any way to embed uh, metadata in your stuff, in your MP3s or your AIFFs, I mean, um, https colon slash slash kid number And the way they want it done is the library name. So let's say it's the Lasco Music Library. So it'd be LML underscore, song, title, underscore, full mix, okay? LML, Alaska Music Library, uh, underscore, song, title, underscore, full mix. Uh, Then any alternate mixes should have LML, underscore, song, title, underscore, no vocals, um, or drums and bass, or no drums, blah, blah, blah. I don't really understand this part. Please fill out the composer. I guess this is still referring... Oh, it's referring to the metadata that I think, uh, whatever it is, Kid 3 is going to ask you to fill out, or others. Um, for the artist, you put the library name in. So in this case, in in my made-up case, it would be Lasco Music Library. Album, Sounds of the... Sounds of the 60s, there we go. That's the title of volume one. So you would put that in there, um, and you would get that information from the library. Please fill out the composer field using the following format. Um, one composer, your name, uh, and then parenthetically, BMI, ASCAP, whichever PRO, 100%, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, so that would be your PRO number um, in brackets, followed by, in parentheses, your IPI number, which again, IPI number and PRO number are a different thing. Um, if it's two composers, um, you would do your name, then parenthetically, your PRO, followed by 50%, um, indicating that you, get 50, you have 50% ownership in, in the writer's share. And you would also include your PRO ID number. Um, You you would do the same for your writing partner with their PRO, which could be different than yours. Their 50% um, of the writer's share followed by their PRO ID number. um, And the split could be 30-70, 50-50, 60-40, whatever. Most time it's 50-50. And it's extremely important because that's how your PRO is going to pay you. Obviously, if it's three composers, it would be 33 and a third if it's equally split. And again, you would need to say that they need to know the PRO for each of the three writers. They need to know the percentage of ownership of the writer's share for each of the three writers. They need your PRO ID number for each of the three writers. And they're going to need the IPI number as well. Um, in the comments section please enter several adjectives that describe the mood of your composition um, depressed <laughs> now you know why I'm not an actor I cannot do like I used to do this with my kids happy face sad face all this stuff you know I can't do it I will never be an actor um, several adjectives that describe the moodier composition than the five major instruments that comprise the instrumentation. Example, fun, retro, rock and roll, 50s, dancing, upbeat, guitar, bass, piano, drums, vocal. This helps when supervisors do a keyword search. The more accurate, the better. And please, dear God, um, I know it's so tempting to stuff your keywords with everything, you know. Let's say your track is not a you know, sultry, sexy track, but you put that in there just in case somebody searches sultry or sexy, hoping that they hear your thing go, oh, well, this is just so awesome. I don't need sultry and sexy anymore. Don't do that. Please, dear God, don't do that. Um, The beats per minute should be in your metadata. Leave the publisher space blank because they're going to fill that out on their end. Uh, We always have a tight turnaround, so please return the AIFFs the signed contract and all the other required information so we can get your music to the respective supervisor ASAP. I'm sure he's referring to times that he puts a call out to the people that are already in their catalog. Hey, we need sexy, sultry saxophone songs um, for a scene in a show that's gonna air next week and we need to have it in the supervisor's hands by tomorrow at four, send them on in. So he's giving you instructions for that scenario, I believe. Thank you for being part of our com- our company. We're excited to have you on board. Sorry, I've got to look at my notes. I think I pasted some stuff in twice. Um, okay, so I've just given you some prime examples of things that will make a publisher production music library not want to work with you if you don't just do it the way they ask you to do it. And and you know what? Here's an important fact. Remember the first, maybe the third email I read where the guy said, we're having to do tons of hand-holding? There are some libraries that do that. Very few, uh, honestly. And even though they're really nice about it, eventually it wears them out and they will Defer to people who don't require as much hand-holding just because it's easier. We all like easy, right? So rather than asking the library owner for hand-holding, reach out to your fellow members. This is why it's important to go to the Road Rally. It's important to be in the chat room here today on Taxi TV. Meet other members that you can email and say, hey, I just got this instruction from a library I'm signing with for the first time. I don't really understand it. Can you tell me what they mean? They may be signed with that library. Maybe they'll it'll be more clear to them. Use and lean on your fellow members for advice. Um, I've given you lots of examples of what they expect from composers and artists they're working with. And while the requirements do vary, none of these companies will give you a pass on getting these things done and done right just because your music is so awesome that you'll get treated differently than other composers. They have access to a lot of awesome music um, so yeah your music could be just incredibly good but if you screw this stuff up I mean everybody might get okay you forgot to you confused your IPI number with your PRO member number make that mistake once don't make it a second or third time you know um, think about it this way if you're going to the DMV and renewing your license, <laughs> my license came back to me and it had my sex as female. I'm not making this up. For five years, I walked around identifying as a female on my driver's license. <laughs> I did get pulled over for speeding or something once, and the cop looked at me and he looked at the license. He looked at me, looked at the license. He goes, uh, this says female. and it was before the whole gender issue became such a thing you know but I really didn't know I didn't know that was the first time I was made aware of it so eventually it was time to renew my license and I went back to the DMV I said to the lady you guys accidentally put me down as a female Um, I can tell you from personal experience I am a dude so could you please put an M in that little space instead of an F and she laughed and said sure I'm sorry so I, I, you know, did the picture. I stepped aside. I sat in a little waiting area. I waited for a half an hour. Uh, Michael Lasco, come on over. I go over. I get the new license. What does it say? Female. Do I look effeminate? Maybe I do, and I'm just not aware of my own vibe. I don't know. Michelle Lasco. I'm sure there is one out there. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Over the years, Taxi has worked harder than anybody um, I can think of to educate our members about all these issues. We've done weekly episodes of Taxi TV for 13 years, folks. 13 years. Way ahead of the curve. We publish a monthly newsletter that addresses these issues. We interview, you know, we actually reprint the interviews that we do at the road rally. Almost um, every issue of the Taxi newsletter. Uh, And Recording Magazine has um, transcribed printed versions of the stuff that I ask people on stage the road A lot of this stuff will get covered. Um, We publish a monthly newsletter, uh, has interviews and articles that address this stuff. Our forum is a goldmine of information for people to learn from other members um, who are getting this stuff right and have the experience. So yeah, reach out to your fellow members on the forum but I'm not a forum kind of person. Maybe I'll lurk. Get over it. We're trying to help you build a career here, not just be, you know, the occasional weekend warrior. I mean, if that's what you want to be, that's fine. But even weekend warriors have to get it right. But in our perfect world, we want to help every single taxi member who wants to do this as a full-time career have all the knowledge they need to interpret the briefs and listings correctly, To make the right kind of music because they've learned, you know, don't do a one-minute intro, not even a 17-second one on an instrumental cue. Uh, And they get all this stuff right, but then they blow it by just like, oh, library owner sent me an email. I am absolutely in love with your track. And they're on top of the world. It's the first time they've ever heard from anybody in the real music industry. I can't blame them for being ecstatic about that but that doesn't give you a pass for getting the business stuff right. It is a business after all, right? You're trying to create a business that generates an income for you, hopefully full-time income, um, maybe even a very lucrative full-time income if that's what you want. And yet so many members don't take advantage of any or all of those free perks of being a taxi member and they choose to remain ignorant of how the real music industry actually works. And then they grouse about not getting signed not earning income from their music or that they couldn't come to terms with the companies that have offered them a deal i hear that from people some people will say um post underneath one of our shows on taxi tv or on the forum oh yeah i was a taxi member for a year i was only offered two deals but i didn't like the company so i didn't sign that means they reached out to their cousin frank in Chillicothe, Ohio who uh, is a real estate lawyer but took a music law course in college and cousin Frank said, oh, I would never sign that contract because that's what lawyers do. Lawyers have to look at everything. What's the thing, you know, uh, to a hammer, every problem looks like a nail? Well, to an attorney, everything looks like it's bad or evil or somebody's trying to screw you. You know, I, I literally know the owners of most of these companies, many of these companies, not most, but many of them, um, I have yet to meet a jerkwad from any of them. Most of them have been you in the past and eventually matured in their business dealings, and their compositional strength, um, in the way they navigated the industry to the point where they were getting so many requests they couldn't fulfill them all themselves, so they decided to start their own library. And might they have gotten a few things wrong in the beginning? Yes. Uh, and one of the things I see from startup libraries is they're run by professional people. They know what they're doing. They have the best of intentions. And they gather up a bunch of music by running a bunch of listings with Taxi. Um, but they don't respond very quickly to the members that they got the music from because they're scrambling to set up the structure of their whole company and they're, they're, they their they should have been more responsible about just saying want to let you know got your music love your music want to include it in our catalog we're a startup you know founded by pros just so you're not worried um and it's going to take us 90 days to get it together to the point where we're ready to start sending out contracts and signing so please be patient if you decide to take this music and go elsewhere we completely understand thank you have a nice day red bull time By the way, I ordered a case of these bad boys on Amazon Thursday, Friday, last week, whatever it was. Inflation has set in on Red Bull. Oh my God, Um, Red Bull drinks, period. Red Bull, vitamin water, um, sumo tangerines. If you've never had a sumo tangerine, they're about this big. They're like the size of a softball. Um, Really, really good. They're kind of rare, but findable in more and more grocery stores every year. Um, They're easiest tangerine in the world to peel. Um, The segments come apart really easily. They are awesome. I eat tangerines pretty much every day in my life. Last year at the end of the season, which is a, I wanna say like February or March, they're only on the shelf for like December, January, February, maybe March. they were $1.99 a pound. Not bad. You know, regular oranges might be a buck forty-nine a pound. Those at $1.99, they're so much better. Well worth it. Uh, I went into Ralph's, our, our probably most ubiquitous grocery store chain here in Southern California the other day and bought like 12 of them. And, and they were $3.99 a pound. So they went from a buck ninety nine a pound to three ninety nine a pound. Um, stayed at that price for about a week. I'm sure they heard complaints from people because that was either price gouging or just plain stupid. Um, and I was at the grocery, I think yesterday or Saturday, and they were down to two ninety nine a pound. But still, wow. So yeah, vitamin waters uh, on sale. I could find them for eighty six cents, maybe a buck a piece. Now they're $1.79. I came the Red Bull. The, I got a case of twenty four of them my jaw dropped. I I went back on Amazon, looked for it cheaper elsewhere, couldn't find it. Anyway, all this to say, the details really, really matter. The fine print matters. I know it's a pain in the ass. I, I admit it. It's rare that I read the fine print when I'm like upgrading, doing an update on software. Um, I don't read the fine print. Um, if I'm signing up for a service I've never used before, and I have even just a little bit of a tingle that I, I need to, you know, like be a responsible adult here and read the fine print and understand what the hell I'm getting into, I will read the fine print. But most of the time, I don't. But in this case, when you're trying to be a professional, a business professional that happens to make music as your product, um read the fine print, uh, get the details right. And just, I can't say that nobody is ever trying to screw you in the music library business. I'm sure that there are some people that either by intent or by incompetence, you know, you could make a bad deal with the companies that we work with, with taxi. We've been in business for 31 years. Only twice have we regretted working with a company that made it through our vetting process. Um, and in both cases, they changed their deal after they started working with us and our members, either six months in, a year in, whatever, they decided to change their deal. They didn't tell us, they didn't tell the members. So we're putting, you know, basic deal points in the context of the listings, and then people were getting a contract that didn't reflect that. So we thought that was in just a bad move on the part of libraries. And then when we asked them about it, they were a little less than kind. So we said, you know, have a nice day. And we don't work with them anymore. Anyway, uh, acting like and becoming a professional in the way you conduct business really, really matters. It matters as much as the music. I'm telling you, greatest music in the world won't get signed if you can't act like a professional in the context of giving them the music. So I ask you, how? this is what I wanna know from you guys, how can we get more taxi members to get this stuff right so that they can too become professionals? I Make videos, Michael. Put it in the newsletter. We do all this stuff. But look, how many people are watching today's show? Let's see. 123 people watching today's show. We've got thousands and thousands of members all over the world, but only 123. Ultimately, maybe we'll get a thousand people to watch this video. I don't know. Anyway, all right, let's talk about this stuff. Um, I thought I just saw, here's a question from John. When Taxi gets library feedback, uh, also known as the email announcing today's taxi TV, the one that was in the email, uh, what comes of the 17 taxi folks? Are they not forwarded anymore? No, we don't even know who they are. I guess I could ask the company. Um he, and you he, he went on to say, bizarre, that nearly all of them had trouble. He didn't say nearly all of them. I don't believe he said nearly all of them. He just said he took on more. 17 was, you know, more normally he would probably take on one or two or three at a time. He took on 17, which yay taxi, yay taxi members that you guys made such great music um, and that we picked the right stuff. And he went, wow, this is a gold mine. Reached out to 17 people and several, if not many of them. But I, I can't say that all 17 had problems. So, no, we don't then, you know, like, okay, well, tell us who they are. We're going to chastise them by not forwarding them anymore. He won't work with them anymore is my guess. Um, they are not going to be people who are likely to get a direct relationship with this person on an ongoing basis. They've blown a relationship. Um, and, and when they find that out, they may get up in his grill and, and give him a hard time. And then he may be at an industry event sitting at a table with nine other library owners and they're all having a beer, waiting for the you know main event to start. And they're talking about, boy, would you believe this or that? Uh, like I've said in the past, there is no official blacklist, but people in the industry know each other and they talk. And if somebody is a major pain in the butt and doesn't get stuff right for them, your name could come up. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Um, wow. Uh, 72 likes. Thank you for those. Uh, Greg Carroza says, yo, Greg, Carosa. by the way, Carosa sent us as a little thank you for the road rally, um, little personal containers, like a quarter cup of this green chili salsa. Uh, I can't remember the brand, Greg, if you want to put it in the thing. Great best salsa ever and he sent us like three or four flats of this stuff so everybody in staff has taken some home um deb my wife picked up a couple of huge bags of chips and we were all eating chips and salsa so for breakfast today uh i had chips and green salsa for lunch i had a trader joe's microwave meal and i took one of the containers just dumped it on there so thank you greg Uh, really, really appreciate that and loved it. All right. Now back to his question. Michael, the point of all this is every library has developed specs and processes that work for them. Follow their directions. If you make more work for them, they won't make more work for you. Couldn't have said it better myself. If you make more work for them, they won't make more work for you. Boy, um, let's put that on a t-shirt for the next road rally. Um... Here's a comment from Michael Lehman to David Menzner. The custom critiques are provided by Cisco screeners, and the forum comments are by Taxi members. I'm keeping my nose out of that one. I don't understand what the hell you're talking about, Michael Lehman. <laughs> Does Taxi have a metadata Excel file that you recommend for use for download? I think each company will have its own format of what they want. Um, by the way, you know, I am glad that you brought that up. Here's another bunch of stuff I didn't read from one of our clients um, because frankly, it's a little hard to understand the way it's laid out. So I'll figure that out later. But there is a metadata spreadsheet. Um, I don't want to distribute this because it's not mine to distribute, but I'm pretty sure the company wouldn't mind me showing you. trying to see if anybody's phone number, email address is on here. Don't want that. Anyway, the things that are included, uh, required for all submissions. So anything, even if you've got a relationship with them, um, they're going to ask and you're submitting music. You know, they've just signed you into their catalog or a year from now, they put the word out to the composers who work with them saying, we need XYZ kind of music, required for all submissions, the song and track title, the songwriters and composers listed, the percentage that each of them owns, the primary artist. So it could be that, you know, Michael Lasco, Deborah Lasco, and Hannah Lasco are the co-writers with 33 and a 3rd each, excuse me, but the primary artist is Tom Stillwagon. Um, Uh, Could be the Tom Stillwagon band, could be the featured artist, is Hannah Lasko doing the vocal. Okay. Um, Mandatory if registered, they want an ISWC number. And frankly, I am not um, an expert on ISWC and ISRC. From time to time, I see it, and I go, oh, yeah, I knew that. And then I forget it. I don't know why I have a mental block. But we will address that in the coming weeks as we talk about this stuff. We will absolutely address it. So have no fear. Um, Mandatory, uh, yeah, you have an ISRC number. If your stuff has been released, you have an ISRC number. Um, It makes it singularly identifiable. Nobody else will have that same number. what the release title was? So if the song, you know, the Tom Stillwagon band with the Hannah Lasco vocal, and Deborah and I and Hannah were the writers on it, if that's been released, what's the ISRC number? What's the release title name? Who's the release artist? Um, who's the distributor or the aggregator? Is it CD Baby, uh, TuneCore, whoever? And what's the UPC? That's the universal product code, which is the barcode with little numbers underneath it. Saw a really good show one day on um, how the barcode was invented, and it, it, it literally changed the grocery store industry. And if I remember correctly, it was somebody who owned a grocery store, maybe even like Piggly Wiggly back in the day, but the barcode system didn't work very well in the beginning, but they've perfected it over time, and uh, our world operates on barcodes, does it not? So let's do some Q&A. We've got about 16 minutes left. Um, once again, Greg Carosa hits out of the park with, if you make more work for them, they won't make more work for you. That's awesome. Uh, I answered Alan Gilbert, Charles Wilson... Um, You know, Michael, I think you do a great job getting the education out there. I just wonder if you can only educate them so much. Yeah, the problem is, is they hurt themselves by not paying attention and and I can only educate them so much. And it hurts you. It hurts every one of you because it hurts Taxi's reputation. You know, if the libraries get tired of dealing with these problems from our members and like two or three of these companies said, man, you guys are great, but adios oh look i've got green fingers um that means that you know if we get three or four listings a month from each of those companies so that's let's say 36 listings times three companies it's, uh whatever it is 108 listings 118 listings a year something like that not good at math on the fly but you get the idea that's a, a lot of listings um that's like a month's worth of listings right yeah a little bit more than a month's worth of listings because some of our members who made great music couldn't get this stuff right. I don't get it. Um, all right, let's see. Kianra Music says, I'm learning all this up, setting up my business, setting up a database and performance for submissions, setting up templates in my DAW, then we'll join Taxi, ready to hit the ground running. Check out um, Composer Catalog. Go to ComposerCatalog.com. It's software that was invented by one of our most successful Taxi members, who's like the nicest damn guy in the world, Keith LeBrant, an incredibly accomplished Taxi member. Um, he's had over a hundred thousand placements. Okay, he's on. He's like the first face you see when you go to Taxi.com and look on our homepage. Um, incredible guitar player, by the way, unbelievable guitar player, like Joe Satriani good, but he can do any style, but that's like his preferred style. Um, And he is a computer programmer by day. So he came up with Composer Catalog, and it's cheap as snot for what it is. I'm not going to quote a number because I'd probably get it wrong, but it covers a lot of this stuff. You'll know who you submitted, what to, which listings you submitted to, which things got forwarded, which things you got offers on, which things you signed a deal for, um, what the splits are, all that stuff goes in there. And much of it is relational, meaning that if you click on one thing, you can also see the other things. Uh, let's see. Carroza just said, oh, man, I hate that when I get a big jump. what about the percentage of clients who refuse signings because the music's already on Spotify? I don't know. They, it's not like they pick up the phone and they call us and go, Oh, by the way, we didn't sign these six people. We don't know. Um, I would imagine more than we might suspect. Um, I try and go up here. ISRC is same as a barcode. Um, uh, uh christine miranda i'm new to taxi just on my first submission my surprise got a forward congratulations good job on that if a library offers exclusive and non-exclusive deals is it okay to negotiate these details i mean you choose one or the other um the vast majority of time a music library will not negotiate a deal with you because they would have they typically have somewhere between a few hundred and several thousand different composers with a few to many dozens of tracks or songs from each of them in their catalog. So if they had to um, spend the money on a lawyer to amend the contract for each of those people, first of all, they could just never keep track of who is under which what terms. How could they ever keep track of that um, and operate quickly based on that information? They couldn't. Um, so they they offer a uniform deal you either take it or you leave it Um, honestly i'm not a lawyer so this isn't legal advice we really do vet the companies we work with uh, and have had a a really strong track record of picking the right companies Um, we get feedback from our members i know if companies are getting something wrong. And we will reach out to the company and say, by the way, one of my reliable sources, one of my members who actually really knows what they're talking about, says you did X, Y, Z. Um, and it could be an assistant working for them that did something and they didn't know about it. So I'll let them know in a very friendly, professional, and helpful way. But yeah, you can't negotiate the deal. On the other hand, if five years or 10 years down the road, you are a powerhouse and you're making, you know, a couple hundred, dollars a year, um, and libraries are begging you to sign with them, at that point you can negotiate uh, more favorable terms. Not all the time, but sometime. But until you are like a rock star composer in the music library world, you can't negotiate deals. Um, moving down the list here. Scanning for my next question. If you have a question, put the word question in all caps before it, so it just makes it easier for me to spot it. Uh, Yeah, and Edmund commented that usually the terms, the basic terms of the deal, uh, you know if it's exclusive or non-exclusive. Um, If it's a 50-50, those things are laid out in the listing, but you should absolutely read the contract. Um, People often ask me, do I need to hire a music attorney? Um, You could do what Matt Hurt did, uh, one of our most successful members of all time, is he hired an attorney the first time he was offered a deal, went through the contract, paragraph by paragraph, really learned what those things meant, and then was able to look at future contracts from other companies and have a pretty good understanding of what was in them, because he paid for the education from the first music attorney. Um, I would say the vast majority of our members probably don't consult with the music attorney for production music library contracts, because they are all... Kind of the same. I mean, some companies, you know, will Frankenstein one together, taking a couple paragraphs from this company and that company, and put them all together, and they may not get it all that right. But they're not trying to screw you. That's my personal experience from what I have observed with our members working with these companies. They are not trying to take advantage of you. Ha <laughs> ha! Screwed another musician today. Um, and you can always go in the forum. Don't go in the forum and say uh, name the. Library by name, just say, um, I signed with a library that's based in Southern California. The first letter of the library is A. Uh, Anybody that thinks they know this library has signed a deal with them in the past, can you please uh, PM me, uh, private message me, and let me know what your experience has been with them and if you've found their deal to be fair, equitable, and contract fairly well written. Um, Robbie Hancock. Nicely says, I'm a huge Taxi TV fan. Taxi changed my life. All the info is there to help you succeed. I'm approachable and easy to find if you have questions. (laughs) Um, Green eggs and ham for lunch. Uh, Happy Ron. Good to see you in there, Ron. How are you? Saw you at the road rally for a minute. Um, Saw you in the audience a couple times. Um... In using CD Baby, is it okay to select distribution, but no on sync? Absolutely. You know, they have their act together. They kind of invented uh, distribution for independent musicians back in the day, back when Derek Sivers still ran the company. Um, Yeah, I am not in any way saying that they are crooked, underhanded, or incompetent. They're they're the opposite of all those things, I believe. Um, But, If you're gonna sign sign the distribution thing, but just know that if you're signing for like CD Baby Pro or whatever it is, and I understand that the checkbox went away or something, I don't know. Whatever it is, just make sure that if you wanna submit a particular piece of music for film and television to production music libraries and other publishers, um, don't sign an admin deal with them or anybody else. Uh, You're signing a publishing deal and you can't have two publishers just like in most of the Western countries, you can't have two wives. Um, and that's as much as I'm gonna say about that one. Um, Marion Laird, whoops, Marion Laird says, should I label the keywords as such rather than just sticking them in there with the metadata? That's a good question. I don't know. Wait till we've got an industry person. Maybe I'll get a library owner on and let them answer. Maybe they've got a field that asks for keywords. So you wouldn't need to say these are keywords because they would know. I mean, frankly, they'd probably know anyway, but. Um, With Taxi, create a resources section with terminology and all those things you've listed, et cetera, so new members can be prepared by it. Um, Go to Taxi.com, look at the very bottom of every page on our website, and you will see a music industry glossary. And I've been working in the background over the last two weeks or so on a bunch of new film and TV terms that I'm going to include in the glossary, and lo and behold, I found (laughs) a very well-known, very reputable company. I was looking at their glossary to get an idea of terms that I might have missed in ours. And just for giggles, I took some of their definitions and copied them and pasted them into Google and found that they literally copy and pasted almost every single thing on that web page that they took it from another web page. but, yeah, Paul, we do have uh, a thing and you know, go into uh taxi's YouTube channel and, and look at the playlist. and, and I know it, it's a big commitment to watch an hour and a half long show every week. um but people do and and virtually every one of our successful members has several things in common. They are regular watchers and participators in taxi TV. They go to the road rally. Um, and they are participatory in the taxi forum as well. Oh, also, they listen to the forward, the music in the forwards blog, so that they can see, oh, yeah, this other stuff that did get forwarded for that listing I submitted to, now I see where they got forwarded to and I didn't. I'm not that far away from it. If I just change X, then I might get forwarded, and they find that to be extremely useful. have dozens of non-taxi placements with four libraries but can't get through taxi screeners to do the same. Got experience with back-end logistics. Getting through the front end is the hard part to me. Bruce, I'm guessing um, there are several reasons that that happens. Sometimes uh, we just had a gentleman do a YouTube video not that long ago about how, you know, he did a year of taxi and didn't get any forwards, but then he admitted to the fact that he wasn't writing to the listings. Um, He was just submitting stuff that he already had, and then he signed up for a second year at Taxi and said, uh, you know, I got forwarded, he got forwarded, I believe, six out of 16 submissions in a year and never heard from the company. So I went in and checked out his stuff, Uh, and there was an example. He says that in his second year, he was not making the mistake of not writing the listings. But yet there was a listing that he submitted for that said, please submit stuff that's between two and three minutes long. His submission was five minutes and 45 seconds. So really, was he writing to the listings? My guess is no, that was an existing piece of music. Anyway, not to go on and on about that gentleman, uh, but I want to say that um, they reach out to us because they're looking for something specific. So we can't send them stuff that's like, well, this is really good. It's not what you need, but it's really good. You know, it's the I tell the story all the time. Go into a shoe store. You need a seven and a half ladies' high heel, the three and a half inch heel in beige and a, a medium width. And the shoe person comes out with a dude's um, penny loafer in cordovan, nine and a half D. And you go, that's an awesome shoe. I can't wear it, but it's an awesome shoe. So there's some of that. There, there are too many things for me to go into in depth, but don't lose hope, Bruce. Go on the Taxi Forum. Become an active member. Um, and you know what? Take the listing, the text from the listing. Put it up there. Um, take a, a Put a link up to the piece of music that didn't get forwarded. And also copy the entire feedback that you got from the screener and put it up there. And ask your fellow members, did Taxi get it right? We love it when people do that. We want to know if we're not getting it right, number one. And number two, oftentimes, 98% of the time, if I had to put a number on it, the, the members agree. And some really sophisticated, highly experienced members, not just people who occasionally drop in there, but, you know, people like uh, Greg Caroza, You know, he, he's like legitimately professional now. We've raised him since he was a little tyke anyway caroza is one of the guys you know in the forum might comment and say you know i see why the screener didn't forward this we will help you tighten up your game so that you do get forwards and then be patient because you'll get forwarded and eventually that will lead but you got to be patient where is it i'm looking because you're new you may not have seen this yet write submit forget repeat so just keep writing keep submitting Forget about those submissions. Just put them out there and forget about it. And uh, and then keep writing more. Because if you make a submission and you ponder it, it's, oh, man, why haven't I heard anything? You'll drive yourself nuts. Trust me. Go on the forum. Um, wow. Okay. So I am out of time. Um, you guys, thank you for... Um, Showing up for this stuff. Um, thank you for paying attention. I appreciate the fact that you take me and taxi and this stuff seriously enough that you give a damn and show up. Um, we will endeavor over the next few weeks. I'm not sure if I'm. I, I would like to do like a four or five por, four or five part video course that will just give away. Um, not. <laughs> I've seen people recently that are putting themselves out there as experts on sync that have had a few placements, have just recently gotten a, you know their first check and yet they're charging people, um, I wanna say like $75 an hour for consulting. It's like, no, <laughs> we have taxi members that have thousands, 5,000, 10,000, Keith LeBrand, 103,000 placements and make a lot of money. Um, and are completely and utterly professional if those guys were teaching uh, a course you know or doing consulting I would say yes do it but you know know who you're paying anyway thank you all I will see you next week for another exciting episode of Taxi TV. And again, if you haven't hit the like button, give us a thumbs up, please, if you thought we're we're worthy of that. Subscribe to the channel if you're new and hit that little alert bell so that you get alerts every week when we start doing a show. Um, Hoot Gibson, love to see you in here, buddy. Um, all right, guys. I will see you next week. Thank you very, very much for watching, and bye-bye from Los Angeles. This is Keith LeBrand.